welcome to the September 22 episode of Disney Channel Discourse. I'm Alex Melleris. As you most likely know by now, glad to have you back. Or maybe this is your first time. And so I suppose in that case, have you back would be the incorrect term. If this is your first time listening to me, then welcome aboard. So far on this podcast, I've discussed a few Disney Channel series and a few Disney Channel original movies, including Lemonade Mouth, The Sweet Life Movie, Upside Down Magic, and a couple weeks ago, I went back to 2005 to discuss a decom called Now You See It. Today, I go even further back in time to February 5th, 2000. Today is my first time discussing something on this podcast that's older than me. It's a Disney Channel original movie based on a true story, and it's called The Color of Friendship. If you've seen this movie before, or honestly, maybe even if you haven't, you might be able to tell by the title that it's about race and racism. What you probably can't tell by the title is that the commentary in this movie goes much deeper than the fluffy surface level stuff you'd expect from a decom. And for that reason, the title really did lower my expectations. I went to watch this for the first time a few weeks ago, and I was expecting this whitewashed embodiment of I don't see color. That isn't what I saw. This is a story about a white girl named Mari who lives in South Africa in 1977. Of course, South Africa at the time was controlled by the racist apartheid system and would continue to be for almost 15 years. And it's a story about a black girl in Washington, D.C. named Piper Dellums, whose father, Ron Dellums, is a congressman. Mari and Piper both sign up for an exchange program. Piper is expecting to be hosting a black African girl. Mari is expecting to go to a white American family. Mari is petrified to be staying with a black family because she's racist, because she's a white South African in 1977. And Piper is disappointed because now she has a racist girl in her house. That's the premise. Before I walk through the movie, talk about the things I think it did well, things I think it didn't do well, I just want to draw it to your attention that I was a guest on a podcast called TBTV Throwback Television last Thursday. It's a great podcast hosted by Alana Feynman and Kimberly Marin, and the three of us talked about season three, episodes nine and ten of Wizards of Waverly Place, which is the Wizards vs. Werewolves two-parter special, and I had a great time. If you like this podcast or like Wizards of Waverly Place, go check out TBTV and specifically the episode that I was on. The Color of Friendship, getting back to that, opens on the Washington Monument, and it flashes across the screen, 1977, Washington, D.C., and we've got this, like, disco sounding music from the 70s might even be like an it probably is like an actual song that was released in the 70s i haven't checked it out but anyway we see um we see a girl getting ready for something putting on all this like these traditional african clothes and this is piper she's played by shadia simmons and then what happens is we find out this disco music that's playing is actually coming from their vinyl player and they change the that disco music to traditional African drum music as soon as Piper's brother sees Dad's home, Dad's home from work, and they change it to the African drum music. Their dad gets home, all their kids are like, Hi, Daddy. The dad is uh, Ron Dellums, who was an actual congressman 
because this is based on a true story. And he's played by Carl Lumbly. And Ron is like, oh, what's with this? What's with this music? And Piper's like, oh, these are African tribal drums from Senegal. And basically what happens, what's established right away, is Piper has been interested in taking part in this this African exchange program for a while. And Mr. Dellums, Mr. Congressman Ron Dellums, it's like, oh, no, you're not back on that student exchange kick again, are you? And she really wants to do it to, as she says, forge a bond with her black African brothers and sisters. But Ron doesn't want her to, for whatever reason. Flashed later that night, Ron and his wife, Roscoe, played by Penny Johnson, lying in bed. And he's like, why is she so obsessed with the, the African exchange? And they talk about it. Then he comes around to it. Oh, maybe it won't be so bad. So he agrees. Cut to Dundee, South Africa, other side of the world. We see this this white family. There's a mom and there's a boy and a girl sitting at a table in a restaurant. And the girl is Mari, who's played by Lindsay Hahn. And she, as you probably know or have guessed by now, wants to do an American exchange program. And she's talking to her mom, like, are you going to tell dad I can go? And the mom is like, we'll discuss it. But as always, he'll decide what's best. So we've already got some, some misogyny going on right off the hop. Their dad comes in. He's wearing cop clothes. Because he's also a cop. And he sees his family and he says, Good news, we caught him. Stephen Biko, the black troublemaker. If you don't know who Stephen Biko is, he was an anti-apartheid activist, a social activist. And here in comes this white South African cop from the 70s saying, Good news, we caught him, the black troublemaker. So these are the bad guys. As you could probably gather pretty easily. And his wife says, Well done, maybe now our poor country can get a little peace. Which is pretty ironic, considering these are the most privileged people in South Africa. And anyway, then he agrees to send her on the American exchange. Then we see this this scene in this same restaurant, where there's this black waiter who's probably like 14 or 15 years old, and he gets bumped into by this old white man, and drops the plates everywhere, and the man kicks him and calls him the Kaysler. So if you hadn't picked up on the fact that there's a lot of racism in 1970s South Africa. I mean, there you go. We stick with Mari for a second, and we see her talking to their black maid named Flora. She's talking about how excited she is to go to America. She's like, I hope I go somewhere exciting like New York or LA. And Flora says, it'll be good for you to learn about what America's like. And Mari, in the first instance of explicit condescension, towards Flora, says, I'm not going to learn anything. Silly. And we cut back to Piper in Washington, walking with her little twin brothers and their friend and her other friend named Daniel, who's from Nigeria, who's basically teaching them about apartheid, explaining it to them. Because at this point, Piper has found out that her exchange partner is coming from South Africa. And this, I feel Daniel is really more kind of like a gateway to teach the audience, the very possibly mostly young audience, about apartheid more than it is, you know, Piper and these kids learning, or at least as much as it is. Then we come back to Mari, who tells Flora that she's staying with a congressman named Ronald D. Looms. And Flora gets a look like, like, oh, that name, I think I know it. And she's like, you mean Dellums? And and Mari is like, no, D. Looms, you idiot. And we understand that, yeah, Mari treats the maid like she's an idiot. But the maid clearly knows who Ron Dellums is, because Ron Dellums is a well-known congressman, and she knows that Ron Dellums is black. Then all of a sudden, Mari's little brother, who's 
like pretty inconsequential and whose name I don't even remember pulls up with a, a weaver bird in a cage. Like, look what I caught. And Flora says, when I was a little girl, I watched them, those, those birds, the weaver birds, I watched them build a big nest with smaller nests inside. And there were many different colors and I would watch them and how they worked together and didn't fight. And I wondered by, why people couldn't be like that. So if you're looking for the metaphor that they were going to hammer home, there it is, the weaver bird. Keep that one Keep that one in mind. And when Flora's like, I wonder why people can't be like that, Mari says, because people aren't birds, the things you say sometimes. So now Mari's about to leave South Africa, or home, and fly to Washington by herself. And right as she's about to get in the car, or like not, but like a minute before, her brother like runs up, pulls up, waving the South African Black Freedom flag that he found lying in the street, and he's waving it around, and Mari says, don't wave that, it's the troublemaker's flag. And Flora is casually like, I'll take that. She rolls it up and puts it in her pocket because it was her flag that she accidentally dropped, I guess, or lost. And everyone's saying goodbye to Mari. The dad says, in a week, you'll be so homesick, you'll want to come home. And okay, about this dad, this is obviously an evil, racist, garbage man. But like, this is also a, a terrible parenting technique. Like, what, what does that accomplish? To not, you don't, don't you see like have fun in America? All you say is, like, you're going to be so homesick, you're going to want to come home. And then Flora says, have fun in America and pay attention. Cut back to Ron Dellums, and he's doing, like, this interview speech kind of thing in front of his work. And he's talking about South Africa and apartheid. He's talking about how black babies die at much higher rates than white babies. He's talking about how there's no housing, no food, and so on for black people. Sound familiar? Should. Anyway, Piper and her mom, Roscoe, are at the airport to pick up Mari and they're standing there waiting at the gate saying like I wish we knew what she looked like it'd be so much easier then they see this black girl come off the plane and they're like Mari Mari hi there she is hi Mari here have these flowers and she walks by them and hugs someone else because it's not actually Mari then the actual Mari comes out and just walks straight past them and ignores them and neither one of them acknowledge each other just walks straight by them then Roscoe and Piper go to the, the front desk and say, like, we were expecting Mari Bach. And Mari hears them and says, I'm Mari Bach. And they turn around and they see that she's white and they're shocked. And Piper's like, what? That can't be her. Are we sure that's her? And Roscoe says, how many Mari Bachs could there be on one flight? So basically what happens is Roscoe tries to shake her hand, but Mari, like, like doesn't even... It's like she, she doesn't even comprehend the motion. Like, just doesn't reach her arm out at all. And immediately, Mari is just like treating them like servants. Like, I have two bags. I'll point them out to you. And such. She's like, am I going to be meeting the congressman? And so, yeah. They, so they drive her to Ron's work. And Roscoe comes in to see Ron. Like, honey, before you meet her, you should know. Then Piper and Mari walk in. And Mari is just in shock. In the room full of black men in suits. And Roscoe's like, well, here's the congressman. My husband, Ron Dellums, and Ron whispers, like, please tell me that's not her. Please tell me that's not her. And Mari just starts laughing, like, you're kidding, right? This is this is a joke, right? And she slowly realizes, what? You're the family? You're the congressman? And Mari's just mortified. And so Piper and Roscoe and Mari, while they all, they're walking back to their, their car to go home, Piper and Roscoe are talking about, like, oh, we all made assumptions and stuff, while Mari is, like, several feet behind them, just following them from a distance. And meanwhile, at home... Piper's two little twin brothers and Daniel and the twin brother's little white friend are like getting ready with their like 
their traditional African clothes and the drum music. They're getting ready to, to greet the house guest. And Piper and Mari and Roscoe, they get to the house. And Mari's like, where are we? Why am I here? Because we're supposed to interpret that she doesn't understand that this black family can live in a wealthy looking house. And Piper, and they walk in, Piper's like, shh, shh, don't turn off the music. Cut it out, cut it out. And they are welcome. And they play these like noisy noisemakers before they realize that Mari is white. And they're in shock. And the, the little white kid is like, where is she? And and this this intense, this tense moment of incredible awkwardness is in direct contrast to the fact that like the celebratory drums on the vinyl player just keep playing. And it's like they all like, you know, bring down their noisemakers in shock. And you expect silence to befall upon the room. But the drums just keep playing. And Roscoe is like, all right. That's Billy. That's Eric. And Mari just runs upstairs immediately in panic and mortification. And one of the little brothers is like, I thought we ordered a real African. And I mean, yeah, Mari's a family of colonizers. But anyway, Roscoe and Piper go upstairs and they see that Mari locked herself in Piper's room. Roscoe whispers through the door like, we didn't mean to startle you. And they try to open the door, but they can't because it's locked. And Mari's sitting in there. She looks like she's going to cry or vom or something. Then it's dinner time. They're talking. They're like, oh, Mari must be starved. And the, the twin brothers are like, I wonder how long she could live in there. And the other one's like, I heard that uh, you can live weeks without food, but days without water. And Roscoe's like, all right, kids, can you please grow up? And the kids are like, she's the one treating us like we're diseased. And I've sat with little boys here. You want to you wanna make fun of someone? You want to joke about them? Not okay in many instances, but I think the racist white girl is totally fair game. Anyway, Roscoe's like, we need some maturity right now. We need sensitivity right now. And then immediately Ron Delmstorm's in like, a white South African, which is meant to be funny. Like Roscoe's trying to come, like, come on, be mature about this kids. And then Ron Delms walks in all angry about it. Now at nighttime, Mari leaves her room. Well, not her, Piper's room. And she finds the phone and she calls her family. And her bastard pig dad is like, don't tell me you're homesick already. Already wants to come home? Well, there's only two flights a week. Can you hang on? And Mari's like, uh, nope. I want to stay. I'm having the time of my life. This family is great. Gotta go. Bye. Meanwhile, Ron and Roscoe are fighting. And Ron's like, she's not staying in our house. I've been fighting racism and bigotry here and around the world for my whole life. We're not hosting a racist in our house. Versus Roscoe, who's like, she's just a child. We can make her come around. And Piper, her perspective on this is, well, if she won't come out of her room, then we should just let her starve. Extremely valid. Extremely valid. And Mari is, like, looking around Piper's room the next morning at the vinyl, the other cool stuff. And she finds a card that says, Mari. And it's, like, this, like, gift card. Not a gift card, but, like, a card that is a gift. Like that says, like, get ready for the time of your life. And this is happening. Mari finds the card kind of right as Piper walks up to the door with some food that Roscoe bought for Mari. She like brought you something to eat. And she opens the, the lock with a hairpin because it's her room. So she knows how to get in. Roscoe comes up like, I've called the exchange coordinator to see if they can find you another house. If not, then they'll send you home. I want to take a minute here. I want to stop for a second. I want to say the assumption that another white family would be totally fine hosting this racist South African girl is a problem. 
it entails the the premise of that statement is that the only reason the Delums family is bothered by the fact that Mario is, is racist is because they're black. I would hope that a white family wouldn't want to host a racist in their house either. I would hope no one would want to host a racist in their house. So for Roscoe to come in and be like, we'll see if we can find a family to host you who is unbothered by your bigotry and just be totally cool with that. It's not obvious right off the bat. It wasn't, I've seen, I've watched this movie twice now. I didn't really notice that the first time, but the second time I was like, something just seemed off about that. Just, we'll try to find you another house. We'll try to find you another place to stay in America. Something seemed very little off to me. And I dug a little deeper and I found, found out what it was. So I don't have many big complaints about that, this movie. Just, just a few. And that, that's like a small one, a small complaint. And I don't know what, what I would have done in that situation. Probably something like, do you want to stay here with us? Or do you want us to send you home? Those are probably the two options I would have laid out. I wouldn't have been comfortable just being like, we don't want you. So we'll just have them assign you to another house that doesn't care that you're racist. Meanwhile, Piper is extremely frustrated that she was looking forward to this, this exchange so much, and now it's just total trash. And I definitely empathize the most with Piper here. Piper's like, what's her problem? And Roscoe's like, her problem is she's human just like the rest of us. Ugh. Roscoe's a little bit too, like, understanding for me in multiple instances. And it's definitely, like, strongest right here. She's human just like the rest of us. And Piper says, no wonder dad can't stand South Africans. And Roscoe, this is where Roscoe gets mad. Like, you have never heard your father say that. It's the government, not the people. Whites and blacks can both be affected by the government's corrupt and racist system. Uh... That seems like a an equivocation that's unnecessary to make. And this is where I wanted to look at who wrote the movie. Because these couple lines that Roscoe's saying really sound like they were written by a white person. Or at least had to pass through a white filter to get put on the air. And the main writer for this movie is a black man named Paris Qualls. I think Qualls is how it's pronounced. It's spelled Q-U-A-L-L-E-S. So I find it surprising that that these lines of like garnering sympathy for white South Africans and these like prominent lines would have been written solely by this man. Although I don't know anything about him, as I said, this may be an instance of someone else, maybe like someone with Disney Channel, nudging him in that certain direction. That's what I would suspect. And Roscoe's also ta- saying like, hey, remember how you acted when you first saw her at the airport? Piper and Piper says, "Well, I got over it. I moved on from that, and I don't. I don't like this either. I don't like this. The equivocation on stereotyping a white person from a country with a racist government, with systemic or explicit governmental racism, seems like a very appeal to white people approach." And Piper and Roscoe are still kind of fighting. Piper's like, "She's the one who wants to leave," and Mari hears it all. Roscoe's like. Piper, maybe we can try this again next year. Oh, I don't know if I want to do it next year. Mari walks down, clears her throat, and said, and says, I'd like to stay here with you, if that's okay. Dramatic music plays. Roscoe's like, well, of course it's okay. Cut to Mari upstairs, unpacking her stuff, talking to Piper. She's apologizing. I'm sorry, Piper. Yeah, well, you should be. Go, Piper. Don't just accept that apology. 
And now Mari sees a little gift that Piper got her. And she got Piper a gift too. And they open them together. And it's the exact same cheap little bracelet, which is supposed to be a little cute bonding moment, like their first bonding moment. And they look at Mari's vinyl that she brought. And they look at Piper's vinyl. And she has Casey and the Sunshine Band. And Mari opens the vinyl. And she sees on like the picture of Casey and the Sunshine Band that a lot of them are black. And says, my brother loves this band, but he doesn't know that most of them are Bantu. We all think they're white. And Piper just kind of stops and thinks and doesn't say anything in response to that comment. Then Piper helps Mari move her luggage to the guest room. Just as Ron is coming up the stairs, Ron's like, we're sorry this didn't work out. And we hope this doesn't sour your view on our country. And Piper's like, Dad, where are you going? She's staying here. And the little brothers are kind of, they're not, they're not extremely relevant to this movie, but they have a couple pretty funny lines like, like where one of them's like, Mari's staying? I wonder why. Like maybe your family doesn't want her back. Maybe they've been waiting years to get rid of her. The other brother's like, that's stupid. These kids are a highlight. Let me check who plays them. I'm kind of curious actually now. Looking at the cast. Um the two brothers are played by Anthony Burnett and Travis Davis. Shout out to those guys. Looks like they had a pretty fun time playing twin brothers in the color of friendship. Now we cut back to Rod and Roscoe kind of arguing a little bit now again roscoe's like i don't know ron she just said she wanted to stay what was i supposed to say we we don't allow white south africans in our house and ron says would that have been so terrible no terrible is how she's treated us roscoe says i'm looking at her exchange application maybe it'll give us a clue about why she's like this and ron says race nationality white south african that's all the clue you need and roscoe's like oh her father's a policeman and Ron is like, you're kidding. And said that inviting the daughter of a South African cop into their house is like a Jew inviting the Gestapo over, which is actually accurate. And Roscoe says, we sh- shouldn't we take this opportunity to correct racism? And here's another kind of like appeal to white people kind of thing, I think, that, that Roscoe has going on here. Because it does reinforce the notion that the burden of correcting racism should fall on black people, which is one of many problematic notions that many are working towards dismantling. Now it's breakfast time. The next morning, they're all eating at the table. Mari just like stands off in the corner until she's invited to sit down. She says, do you have any orange juice? And it's like, pass the orange juice. And then she says, I'd also like some rusk breakfast sausage scrambled eggs and maybe some brinjal. So it's established. She, she still has that you people are my servants, mentality. And they kind of just stare at her blankly. And she says, if you don't have sausage, bacon will be fine. Everyone gets up. Piper gets up. The kids, the little twin brothers, they get up. Now it's just Roscoe and Mari at the table. And Roscoe's like, Mari, do you have a maid at home? She's like, a maid, what? A servant, a house girl? And she's like, oh yeah, we have Flora. Flora. And Roscoe's like, for the next few months, you're a part of the family. So I'm treating you just like my other kids. And today we're having sugar hoops. And Roscoe kind of gets up, leaves, and like spies on Mari as she like, looks at the sugar hoops like, hmm, and then pours them into her bowl. So it's like this little bit of a breakthrough, or like the first hint at a breakthrough. Now, uh, Roscoe and Mari and Piper are, they're going to the mall today. They're having a little outing. And they see as they go to the car, everyone else, all their neighbors waving. And Mari's like, does everyone in this neighborhood work in the government? And Roscoe's like, no, uh, he works at the college, he works at the Pentagon, saying where everyone works. They drive to the mall, and they drive through a a poor part of Washington, 
where there are a lot of black people who are living non-glorious lives. Mari is like, is this still Washington? It looks like our townships. It's very different from where you people live. And now we have one of the most important lines in the movie where Roscoe says, America isn't perfect, Mari. We still have our problems to work out as well. I'm going to talk about this as when I get to like the end of the run-through, but there are a lot of instances in this movie of this American savior complex at play. Like America, we're the great country that treats everyone equally and gives everyone opportunity, and we have to go around saving South Africa from racism. There's a lot of that going on in the movie, and they just have this one line when they drive through a poor part of, poor part of Washington. Roscoe says, America's not perfect, Mari. We still have our problems to work out as well. If they had left that line out of the movie, then it would be very hard not to clump this in with nationalist American propaganda. That one line does make a big difference. It doesn't forgive all the other nationalism that's going on, especially later on in the movie. And I wish that maybe they'd focused on racism in America a little bit more. In fact, I would love to see a movie made now similar to this one on the Disney Channel that focuses on racism in the U.S. in a very similar way that it focuses on racism in South Africa the color in The Color of Friendship. Not holding my breath, but I'd like it. Meanwhile, in the movie, this uh, a black man knocks on their window when they're at a red light, and Mari like jumps back in the backseat in fear, and Russell's like, that's okay, he just wants to wash the windshield. He just wants to wash the windshield. Mari's like, is that his job? Roscoe says it is today. Mari says, does his pass say window washer? Piper's like, what What pass? And Roscoe explains that black people in South Africa need to carry ID cards that say their occupation and where they're allowed to travel to work. And Piper is rightfully and immediately critical of this disgusting, dehumanizing law. And Mari says, it's to help the police keep track of the blacks. Piper says, why? Mari says, it's for their own good. Piper says, do they like it? And Mari says, of course, it keeps them safe and out of trouble. Almost like her dad's a cop or something. Anyway, welcome to the mall. Mari's like, are all malls in America like this? With people of all races shopping together? And there's this very intentional shot of a biracial couple. Roscoe's like, teaching stuff to Mari, but also the audience very directly. Like, well, it's not allowed to stop someone from coming into the store just because of their race. Not that they'd want to. They want your money. It doesn't matter what your race is. Money is still money. Fuck capitalism, eat the rich. Now we have a shopping montage with this song. And the two girls bonding over clothes. Ha 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 ha, clothes. We're girls and we love clothes. And they're laughing and they're trying on shirts or pants or something or whatever it is that people try on. Yellow clothes, red clothes. More laughing, more posing. Well, they're friends now. Yay. Cut to the cafeteria where they're eating lunch and we see this like the knockoff beach boys singing this not the happy birthday song but this happy birthday type of thing to someone it's like well here actually i wrote down the lyrics so i'm going to try to remember the tune well here's a gift to show our love and read this card you're so proud of today we're celebrating you happy birthday and it's like ever so slightly out of key i don't know if that's actually a real song probably is you're probably listening to this like why are you singing this song everyone knows this song everyone's heard it before except me anyway now these these little kids are like running around and they run into a black waiter 
and he drops a this like chocolate sundae onto a white man's lap and mari is watching off in the distance and she remembers the scene from earlier from when she was in south africa and the white man kicked the black waiter called him the caseler and she's saying to herself like don't hit him and the man is like oh no problem no problem can i have one of these sundays and this is what I was talking about before with an example of Americanism. Like, just because of that one important line that I mentioned earlier doesn't mean that all the other instances like this of the American savior superiority complex are excused of this direct comparison between, like, South Africa. This situation happened, and it revealed this man was racist. America, same thing happens, and this man wasn't racist. Wow. And then the, the knockoff Beach Boys walk over and sing that happy birthday song to Mari. And Roscoe's like, I didn't know it was your birthday. And what actually happened is Piper just told them it was Mari's birthday to get them free cake. Classic. Flashback to Ron Dellums at work. And he gets a call from the South African embassy to confirm that he's hosting Mari Bach. There's this dramatic music. And he asks them about Stephen Biko as a little like, oh, you asked me, let me ask you. And now Ron and Roscoe are like chatting a little later on. And Ron is just like mad that they had the gall to call and ask. So now we're like 46 minutes into the movie, about 36 minutes left. And Piper and Mari are getting ready for the first day of school. Piper is figuring out what clothes she should wear. And she talks with Mari like, oh, and Mari's like, oh, we wear uniforms at school. And Mari's telling her all about the South African school system. Piper's like, well, you won't need to wear a uniform at my school. And Mari's like, what, I'm going to your school? A Bantu school? And I can understand a bit of culture shock right at the beginning, but you'd think she'd understand by now after like, what, a week at least, or a couple weeks, that the U.S. is is largely integrated and that at least she wouldn't assume that schools were segregated. And then, okay, and then Piper says, Bantu, does that mean N-word? But she says the N-word, and I was shocked by not just the fact that there was an N-bomb in this movie, but the fact that there was no warning for it. Like, there, there wasn't a, like, at the beginning, it wasn't like, oh, beware, it may not be suitable for all audiences, uh, coarse language, racial slurs, like a warning like that at the beginning. They didn't, and I actually, I tweeted at Disney Plus, like, fix that, put a warning, and don't think they acknowledged it. Didn't expect them to, really, but I figured I'd at least try. And then Mari white girl Mari says, no, Bantu just means black. K-word means N-word, which I would never say. You're not a K-word, at least not to me. So there is just an extremely dense, like four racial slurs in the span of like 15 seconds in this decom. And I actually like, man, Disney, you gotta, you really have to put a warning on that. There's no excuse to not have a warning on N-bombs. I was watching Hamilton and they had the warning for like, beware language. And they just like, they say shit like twice and they censor fuck twice. And then here in the color of friendship, they have two N-bombs and nothing, no warning at all. And multiple K-bombs, like at least, I don't know, six. I actually, the first time I watched it, I was like, did I, did I hear that right? And I think I backed it up to be like, and I turned on the um, subtitles to make sure I wasn't just mishearing something. Which, I don't know why I would have thought I was. I was just so surprised. And anyway, later that, that night, Roscoe is, like, doing Piper's hair. Talking about what 
Mari taught her like all the classifications of people. And then she's explaining about like the, the different words they use to talk about black people in South Africa. And she mixes up Bantu with a K word. And it's like, Oh no, uh, she said we'd be this, or is it this? And immediately Ron stands up like, what did she call you? And gets like super, you know, dad angry. And Piper has to be like, no, 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 I messed up. I got, I mixed up the words. I forgot which one was which. And I think it's actually a clip on YouTube of like just that scene because it's so well done. And Piper just like mixing up the words and Roscoe and Ron immediately, because especially Ron is already on edge. Like, oh, this girl is, you know, racist. And I'm just being immediately ready at the drop of a hat to stand up, yell at her, presumably, and send her back to the embassy. And Piper has to step in and be like, no, no, I was wrong. I'm sorry, I messed up. It's very dramatic. Then that night, Mari sneaks downstairs and looks through their books, and she finds Roots by Alex Haley. And Ron comes down and is like, I thought I heard something. Mari's like, oh, I'm sorry for, for reading or sneaking around or whatever. And, she, and he's like, don't, don't worry, you can read. What are you reading? Oh, Roots, an important book. It helped white Americans see the horror of slavery. And he's like, you weren't taught about American slavery in South Africa, were you? And he's like, no, well, he's like, well, you picked the best book in the house and you can take it home with you if you like. Mari apologizes for making him think she called Piper the Kessler. And Ron says what probably encapsulates his perspective on Mari pretty well. He says, I don't think you're a bad person, Mari. I just think you've been taught some bad things. Next day, first day of school, Piper, Mari, Piper's little brothers, and their little white friend talking about animals. Like, what animals do you see, Mari, when you wake up and look out your window? Any lions or tigers or stuff? And she's like, oh, no, just like dogs. And the little white kid's like, what's the fun of growing up in Africa if you can't get traced by a rhino? And they drop off the kids at elementary school. And Piper and Mari head over to, to junior high. And Mari has to go to the back of the line of transfers and exchange students. And... This is like her first time without Piper, really, because she's like, all right, uh, you go to the back of the line. I'll see you. And Mari's all like anxious and nervous. And she accidentally walks into this super tall and imposing black guy and his books fall. And she gets super scared. So she like bends over, picks them up, hands the books to him. And he's like, you're supposed to say you're sorry. And Piper comes back in like she is sorry. And then Mari like is, you know, kind of stunned by the whole situation and she gets in the back of the line kind of stands still and the girl behind her is like hey the line's moving and she's like oh sorry and moves up this is an extremely awkward scene that i find to be unnecessary i know that you want to show something of piper and mari at school or specifically mari at school i guess but like you don't pick something of like an in-class scene that would have been so much better of mari like accidentally letting some sort of racial microaggression slip in class would have been much more of a an effective scene here than whatever this is of like being intimidated by some tall strong guy and piper being like oh don't let those football players scare you this scene was really awkward and seemed kind of out of place for me as i, as I said like if you're in like i don't know history class mari and piper and a bunch of other kids of all races and Mari raises her hand and says something problematic by accident, that would have been like a good kind of awkward tension. Instead of this, it's like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be like getting and learning from this scene. That night, everyone at the dinner table, the kids are like, first days are always boring. 
And Pepper's like, I have decent classes. And Mari already has homework. She's like, I have a book, reco- book report on Alan Payton's book, Cry the Beloved Country. And Roscoe's like, oh, isn't that about South Africa? And Mari's like, I don't know. Because she's never heard of the book before, even though it's super famous in America. And the Delms family, they already own the book. So they just give it to Mari. And she starts reading it after dinner. And Piper's like, what do you mean you haven't heard of this book? Or Alan Payton? He's so famous. And Mari's like, oh, he's probably just banned in my country. Yeah, the government, they ban books. And they do it because they're trying to protect us. Gonna stop here for a second. Banned books is a point they come back to a little bit later on. When Piper and Mari have a little bit of a fight. And Piper says something like, your government bans books to hide things from you. This is more Americanism. As if the USA hasn't banned books forever. Catcher in the Rye, Slaughterhouse-Five, Catch-22, off the top of my head. I'm sure there are many more. Banning any book is a telltale sign of corruption. And every government is corrupt to one degree or another. If you want to talk about why... 1977 USA is more progressive than 1977 South Africa. You could find plenty more valid talking points points than banned books. Because, plain and simple, the USA and the states within it have banned plenty of books. Anyway, they go to a movie theater, they watch Freaky Friday, and there's another friendship montage with 70s music. Walk into school, a little dance party, some rollerblading, some more dancing eating some street food, bike riding, some more dancing. They're like feeding ducks. And I want to say, based on the title of this movie, you would think that the friendship between Mari and Piper would be a much more prominent thing. The only real instances we get of putting it on display are like two montages. And everything else is about the actual important issues at hand. So I guess I really, I guess that's more of like a criticism of the title than anything else. This is a really bad title. But uh, not that I can come up with anything better on the spot. And I mean, that's probably also like a Disney Channel Center thing too. Like, don't make the title too explicitly about a very serious topic. So I'm like, the color of friendship. And like, our conservative audience might be able to actually have their interest piqued. But because of that title, they probably do feel like a sense of obligation to, you know, dive into their friendship a little bit. And that's where these two montages come in. Anyway, after this, this montage... The dance party montage, I guess. Here's where things start to get serious for the end of the movie. Get, get like, more serious. So they get home from wherever they were. And there's a rando in a suit in front of their house with this car and dramatic music playing. And these people from the South African embassy are in their house. And they ask to talk to Mari in private. They're like, how do they treat you? Fine. You're leaving. So these are... These South African embassy white people are evil racist apartheid fuckers, as is pretty clear. Mari starts crying. She doesn't want to leave. And they basically drag her out of the house. And they barely get to say goodbye. Mari barely gets to say goodbye to Piper and Roscoe. And Piper gets all mad and pissed, rightfully. I cannot find a single instance in this movie of Piper being in the wrong in any way or another. She calls Ron, who doesn't answer because he's in emergency meetings, more than that in a second. And as Mari gets driven to the South African embassy, there are protests. Protest ag- protests against apartheid outside the South African embassy. Protesters start hitting the car that Mari is in, 
And the two people are like, oh, just ignore them. Just don't look at them. Just ignore them. The South African embassy people who, like, kidnapped Mari bring her inside the embassy. And they're like, all right, here's Amanda, the, our secretary. She'll take care of you. And Mari's like, what's going on? What are these protests about? And Amanda's like, oh, you're the terrorist, Stephen Biko, killed himself. And the world is acting like we're responsible. That's why we got you out of that house. Who knows how they'd react or their neighbors. What? Mari's, lo- Mari's like, um, that logic does not track. Amanda says, you'll understand when you're older. Mari's like, I understand now. Someone kills himself on the other side of the world. And you think I'm in danger? Just because I am a white South African living with a black American family. Black people outraged at South Africans. Therefore, this specific black family will, I don't know, cause you harm somehow or their neighbors. Mari's right here when she says that logic doesn't track. She doesn't say it in those words, but that's what she means. Flashback to Ron Dellums saying what we all kind of already knew. To all his co-workers, we got confirmation Stephen Biko was killed by the police beatings, not suicide. They're, they're watching the TV, like, the Biko killing has sparked protests around the USA, which is a thing that actually did happen. Ron Dellum's secretary is like, your daughter's been calling all day, she seems upset. So they talk, but Piper's like, you know, kind of panicking, and, and Ron's like, alright, calm down, calm down, I'll worry about it, but I gotta go now. So Piper is all sad now, sitting on, like, a bench in the park. And this is where her, her cheery Nigerian friend Daniel walks by, like, so where's Mari? She's gone. And Daniel laughs, like, what's so funny? How about, why the reason Daniel's laughing is because he had a bet with his brother on how long Mari would last before she went home. And he's like, neither one of us thought she'd stay for this long. And Piper explains, Mari didn't leave on her own. And Daniel's skeptical, like, you're sure she didn't live on her own? No, Mari, she was your friend, right? You guys talked a lot, right? And all you're talking... Did she ever invite you to stay with her? Wouldn't that be a natural thing to do? And Daniel tells Piper that Stephen Biko is dead. Killed just for fighting for justice. And he's like, I wonder what Mari thinks about that. And you know what, Daniel? You're damn right. Damn, Daniel. You're right. Because it's about time we have a character who's not trying to validate Mari or teach Mari and just takes Mari for what she is, a racist white girl. I really like Daniel, even though he's not such a great actor. Not many of the actors in this movie are great. I mean, Ron and Roscoe are great actors. And Lindsay Hahn, who plays Mari, is also a great actor. Those three really carry the movie, though. Everyone else is quite amateurish, I guess we could say. Flashback to the South African embassy. They're watching TV, Mari and everyone else. The TV's like, Steve Miko's wife denies he was on hunger strike or killed himself. And they show protesters chanting Black Power. Mari's watching and appears to be getting influenced. Amanda comes together like, come with me, we'll call your family. But then Amanda needs to like be elsewhere. So she's like, you call them, tell them you'll be on like this flight, flight, I don't know, 202 or whatever it was. But Mari, but Mari doesn't call her family. She calls Piper's house and it's ringing. And Piper takes a while to come to the phone. And like right as Piper picks up is when Mari like, Hangs up because she gives up or changes her mind or something. So Mari's like, fine, I'll call my family. She calls the overseas operator, gets connected, and then hangs up right when Ron comes in, walks into the embassy. She says, Mr. Dellums. And Ron's like, don't worry, Mari, it's going to be okay. And they go up to this, I don't know, meeting. Flash over to Piper, chilling in a room, listening to music. 
being sad. And Mari walks in. Ta-da, I'm back. What's with the sad music and the lights off? Did I miss a funeral? Let's boogie. I'm back. And I mean, this is this seems like very intentional writing here of Mari being like, did I miss a funeral? Because it's quite clear the death of Stephen Beagle, which has rocked the world, means nothing to her. And we find out that the reason Mari was able to come back is Ron, as he tells Roscoe, when negotiating kind of with the South African embassy people said South Africa right now has an image problem at the moment and that yanking a white girl from a black family's house won't help with that image and that's when they're like you know I guess that's right so I don't know there's something about this that doesn't quite sit right with me either and I think it's something to do with the fact that like the South African police just killed a black man and like I don't know, this exchange student getting brought back home is like, how is that going to dampen the image? Like, it's like, I don't know, if someone, I don't know, takes a shit on a cake, you're not going to eat that cake. And then like, if someone sneezes on it, yeah, it's worse now. But like, it was so bad before that this decrease in quality is negligible. I think that's a pretty good metaphor. But no, there's, there's something else there that I couldn't quite put my finger on, on why this little... Oh, here's why, here's why Mari's back. Just, I don't know, irks me a little bit. Anyway, back up to Mari and Piper. This is where the big fight is that I was talking about earlier. Mari's there talking about, like, that embassy felt like a prison. And outside it was like a war zone with police and demonstrators. And Piper's like, can I come visit you in Africa? And Mari's like, uh, yeah, sure. And then, like, switches the topic right away back to the protests. She's like, I still don't know what all that craziness was about. Piper's like, Stephen Bigo. Mari's like, yeah, who cares? Some crazy terrorist who killed himself. And Piper's basically like, what the fuck? Bigo didn't kill himself. The police killed him. Mari turns around like, who said that? Piper's like, everybody knows that. Just watch the news. The South African police beat him and try to hide his death. They're pigs. Mari's like, the police are not pigs. Piper's like, so then ask your dad how Bigo died. Mari's like, I don't have to. Biko was a common criminal. You Americans would call him a thug. And Piper said, he was a man fighting for justice. Mari says, well, you don't know what it's like being outnumbered by... Piper cuts her off. By what? Kaysler? Do you have any black friends back home? Mari's like, yes, Flora. Flora's my best friend. Piper's like, she would not stick around if you stopped paying her. Mari's like, you have it all wrong. Piper's like, nope, not me and not the rest of the world. You racist South Africans are the ones who have it all wrong. And you know I'm right, whether you want to admit it or not. Why do you think your government banned books and shows? And why didn't they want you to stay here? And Mari's like, if you didn't want me here, all you have to do is say so. And she puts on her coat and runs away out of the house. Hope you managed to take that all in. Went through it a little quickly. Back it up if you like. But basically, Ron and Roscoe and the little kids, the twins, hear the door slam. And Ron goes out and sees Mari crying under a tree. Ron goes through like, oh, I didn't want to bring you back so you'd start fighting. What happened? And Mari says, Piper wouldn't be able to visit me in South Africa. I wish I could change that, but I can't. Time the fuck out. Okay, one little problem I have here is that this movie is way too compassionate toward Mari, especially in this moment. They try way too hard to redeem her, and it's painfully obvious here. I worry that little kids wouldn't be able to pick up on the fact that 
she is racist and entirely in the wrong. Also, she did just explicitly spew racist shit about the cops and about Stephen Biko and about thugs at Piper and is now in there like, I wish she could come visit, but doesn't understand the root of the problem at all. I'm not expecting her to understand the root of the problem. I'm not expecting her to have a cleared up moral compass as a 14-year-old under a racist government with a cop dad. I'm expecting this movie to amplify her tremendous flaws more than they do. I'm expecting the movie to amplify her flaws more than they say, look at this ignorant, bigoted child. Isn't she so quirky? Essentially, this movie doesn't make it clear enough that Piper is correct and Mari is wrong in that argument, that there is a clear right and wrong side here. It seems like a typical friend-fight breakup where there are both sides to the story and not like a situation where there's a side of justice and a side of injustice. This isn't like the other DCOMs. Ron is like, you can't help what your government does. And Mari's like, it's not my government that won't allow it. And Ron is like, well, your family, your neighbors, their attitude is still the government's fault. It's a cycle that has to be stopped. Then he says, we had to learn the same lesson here in America. Now it's South Africa's turn. Another pause, please. I'm sure you can tell exactly what direction I'm going with here. Now, what it does make sense from the perspective that the Jim Crow laws were lifted in the 60s, and now this is a similar kind of thing going on in South Africa. But this gives off tremendous America-fixed racism. We're perfect now, and South Africa is going to do the same thing just by changing the laws, and everything will be fine and great. I don't ha think I have to dive into on why that's not the case, and why obviously like Disney Channel is not the main culprit of spreading this idea. Just look in any common elementary or high school textbook, and they'll tell you, slavery was bad, but Abraham Lincoln ended it in 1865. But then racism came back in the 1960s with Jim Crow laws, but Martin Luther King Jr. took a long walk and ended it, and... Malcolm X helped too, but he didn't have to be so mean about it. The end. Oh, and also Rosa Parks sat on a bus because she was tired. And now everyone's equal. Yay, happily ever after. It's extremely pathetic the way racism is portrayed in education and in media. Hopefully that's starting to change. And back to Mari, I think we're supposed to garner that she starts to empathize with black people in South Africa because of the way that she quote-unquote, didn't have any control of her life while she was in the embassy. It's a whole different story when, like, you have to experience what they're going through to empathize with them. A whole different problem. But anyway, she's like, have you ever heard of a weaver bird, Mr. Dellums? And then Piper comes out to chill with them, and Mari tells them the weaver bird story, like Flora told her. The same story that she dismissed earlier. Oh, that's so stupid. And oh, the weaver bird all different colors, and they build their nests inside the big community nest. Cool shit. She doesn't even credit Flora. Just like, I heard this from a friend. Classic. White girl. Steals the story from the black woman. Doesn't even credit her. Doesn't even credit her. A lot of work to do, Mari. A lot of work to do on you. It ends with this uh, Pan-African festival that they'd mentioned a few times, and Daniel's like, oh, here's the, the freedom flags for the black South Africans, and he's waving them around, and Mari says, oh, those are banned in South Africa. Daniel says, here, have mine. And she takes it. Ron makes a speech, quotes Franklin Roosevelt, about looking forward to a world founded on freedom of speech and religion. And 
freedom from want and need and freedom from fear. And he talks about the weaver bird too. Like my friend, Mari, Mari Bach, told me the story about the weaver bird. And the audio of the speech continues as they drop Mari off at the airport. And she flies home. And Mari is like barely excited at all to see her family. She's most excited to see Flora. And she shows Flora the, the freedom flag that she had like stitched into her, like the inside of her sweater, which looks pretty cool, honestly. And then Mari looks at the weaver bird in the cage and then like appreciates it for a second and then takes it out of the cage and lets it go, fly, releases it from the cage. And there's the freeze frame of the bird flying end of the movie. And it flashes across the screen. In 1986, the anti-apartheid bill, co-sponsored by Congressman Ronald V. Dellums, was passed by the House of Representatives. The first free elections in South Africa took place in 1994, and the Dellums family was there. Now, a couple thoughts. A couple final thoughts. It is logical that they sent her Mari, since she is the main character, since she is the one who learns the important lesson. But I'm not sure they quite perfected the balance between look at this racist girl learning that she's racist and starting to change. And also like, as I kind of mentioned too much of that makes the audience start to like her a little too much and rooting for her. When in reality, we shouldn't be liking this girl or rooting for her. But something I love about color of friendship is how this movie didn't stay on the personal microscopic level and really incorporated the global events especially late in the movie, it kind of it zeroes in a little bit on the specific family relationships and situation. And especially in the last 20 minutes or so, kind of zones out to the bigger picture in Stephen Biko and the protests late in the movie. Now, as I said, this is based on a true story. Not just, of course, like Rondell and Stephen Biko, obviously real people, important people. But Rondell did have a daughter named Piper, and they did do an exchange program with South Africa, and they did think that they were getting a black girl. And I don't think the actual exchange student was named Mari. I think it was another similar sounding name, but they changed it for the movie. And basically her, like, racism was even stronger than what they portrayed in The Color of Friendship. She, like, she did lock herself in a room, and she also, like, washed her hands profusely every time she like touched something that one of the other Delms family members touched just absolutely putrid stuff but she did actually end up becoming really good friends with Piper in real life so there are definitely a lot of similarities from what I've gathered between the real story and the movie I've talked about like the Americanism in this movie that like largely advertises America as this progressive place where everyone is equal not true and not just that, but they also, like, when you're talking about racism stories that take place in the past, they often lend to a sense of, oh yeah, they used to have racism and now it's all figured out. And there really aren't many stories about current day racism. They had that one That's So Raven episode that everyone likes to refer to as if that kind of filled out Disney Channel's present day racism quota for the next 20 years. But we need more of that. We need more of that. That's really that's really the thing with every kind of, you know, representation in the media of social justice or marginalized groups. People asking, what do you want? How do you want them to be represented in the media? What do you want them to look like? What do you want them to act like? And really, honestly, like quantity over quality, this, it, it applies here. Like if, if I ask you like, 
oh, what does a white person in a TV show, what comes to mind? Like, no specific thing, because there are so many of them that there's no specific archetype you think of. If I say the same thing about a black person, if I say that, or an Asian person, then you prob there's a good chance you have specific characteristics that come to mind. Or a gay person, or a transgender person, or a disabled person, specific archetypes are coming to mind because you haven't seen these kinds of people as much in the media and on TV and movies. More of them is more important than having very few extremely accurate depictions of them. If you have more of them than the depictions that aren't good, so to speak, are forgettable because there are so many and there aren't specific ones, few ones that stick in your mind. Another thing I don't really like within this movie is an attempt to both sides it, especially with Roscoe's character of this like both races must work together to bridge the gap when the burden in reality should fall onto white people to solve the problems they've created. It reminds me of this 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 tweet I saw recently from I don't remember who, which I, I'm so sorry about, but they were like talking about how racism in a lot of children's books is like the purple people and the green people didn't like each other just because they were the opposite color. Isn't that so silly? And not the purple people enslaved the green people for 400 years and now the green people suffer financially because of it. Roscoe is like very hard to dislike because she's this very, you know, smart, kind-spirited person. But those things, those things where it really seems like this very both sides, whitewashed kind of we have to be better too attitude is a minor downside to her character. Piper is probably my favorite. 13 years old and has a very mature grasp on what's going on, a desire to connect to to connect globally. Very impressive sign of a smart person. Mari, I want once again I want to say Lindsay Hunt did a great job acting here. But obviously, I mean, I hate Mari and I had to put in a conscious effort to hate Mari because I worry once again that whoever, you know, the people in charge of this movie tried to make us not hate Mari, but we should all hate Mari. And lastly, Ron Dellums. How can you not like him? I either either him or Piper is my favorite character. Either him or Piper. So this is a gem decom, I think. And a very unique one too, that's probably in my top ten right now. Still haven't seen them all. Still probably not not even close to having seen all the decoms. But this one, very thought provoking, very rewatchable, which is very important. So if any of you have any extra things you want to point out about something I may have missed, something good, something bad, like all the time, but especially with this movie, let me know. You can send me a DM on Instagram at Disney Channel Discourse. Also, if you want to be a guest on this podcast, you can DM me there, see if we can work something out. Next week, I'm going to be talking about a cartoon that I've never watched, Big City Greens, relatively new. I wa I've been wanting to check it out for a while, so I'm going to talk about the first few episodes next week on Disney Channel Discourse. <laughs>